This is Star Wars Rebels Alert, the weekly podcast after show where we recap and discuss each and every episode of Star Wars Rebels Season 3. I'm your host, Tim. I'm Troy. And we're back after a short break here with the sixth episode in Season 3 titled Imperial Super Commandos. Mandalorian episode that we've been waiting for. We've been waiting for this one. Yeah. Yes. It's, and it's an interesting episode because we always talk about this idea of running into filler episodes here. Yes. And this may actually fit the bill, I think. <laughs> and then we'll get into the discussion a bit about that. But it seems that they've taken this plot line at least, which could have been maybe a secondary plot line yeah. in another episode. Mm-hmm. They kind of push this into a full episode here. Yeah. So we're going to jump right into it here, guys. But before we do that, I just want to throw it there. If you want to be part of the show, you want to contribute here, comment, give us some insight into even the Mandalorians here, because both of us are struggling a bit here. We don't have maybe the depth that we needed to coming into this episode and understanding the Mandalorian, the lore and all that, and what's still canon is what I really struggled with here. Right, yeah. And so if you do have input there, you can always get us at SWRebelsAlert on Twitter, SWRebelsAlert at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Facebook or comment on the YouTube page as well. Yeah, please let us know. This episode opens, and it's interesting because we talked about... (laughs) briefly offline here it just kind of gets right into the episode here we kind of run into sabine with this character rao mm-hmm. finn rao who is from a previous episode in season two yes and this is again where some of the confusion of the mandalorian timeline and and where it actually fits in again that's right because he goes back to the kanan comics yeah. um being the last padawan right yeah yeah and so there's some ties there to the, the comics as well, which, again, we love seeing Great. kind of tying in that whole universe here. And it kind of jumps right into this episode. And you were a bit shocked because you thought your PVR cut something off, right? That's what I was wondering. I mean, I didn't get anything. It just jumped right into them playing that game. And the way it ended was a little funny, too, on my PVR. So I guess that's just the episode. Yeah, and I really struggled at the start here because maybe it was my fault. A little bit hungover today. <laughs> but I didn't quite catch the actual point of the episode. So I had to go back after completing it and rewatch this first part again to mm-hmm. understand exactly what the mission was or kind of the short arc was going to be about. Mm-hmm. So I got to the end of the episode and I was like, I really don't know what happened here and what the point of all of this was. Why did they go down to Mandalore? And right. it is described <laughs> at the start here. So they do have what is Rao's clan, the Mandalorian clan that he kind of rules this, mm-hmm. the protectors, right? Yeah. And they've given the rebels safe passage through this this space so that they're able to kind of avoid the Imperials here. And this is something that Rao talks about, how he's kind of playing both sides. So he's trying to secure his clan. And this, again, comes back to this Mandalorian sort of culture and the way that they kind of look inward and they're out to protect themselves. They're very loyal. Of, yeah. yeah, the loyalty. Maybe, yeah. yeah, maybe it's less about protecting themselves and being more loyal to the Mandalorian culture yeah. itself rather than kind of bowing to the Empire or the Rebellion. They're kind of playing both sides here. And, Which I've always liked, yeah. Yeah, and kind of remaining neutral throughout this whole civil war, right? Yes, and she's trying to convince him to some degree to kind of come on to the side of the rebellion, bringing in his protectors, this, you know, very well-trained fighting force that have been fighting for decades, hundreds of years, right? Yes. And that's one thing you can really appreciate here when they pull up on the planet is just in pieces here. And I love the splash screens that we get in this episode as yeah, well. Yeah, it's such a turnaround too because when you go back to the Clone Wars and you see Mandalore and it's, it's lit up and you see just how civilized it is even though it's like warrior bound, right? And now seeing it, it's just like night and day, how it's just run down and it's, it just looks like a disaster now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it's pretty cool, right? Going back to uh, the Wedge episode even, um, they focus a bit more on Sabine and I think they even said the producers that this season is going to really strongly focus more on Sabine and everything they've done with her I've really appreciated so far in this season three. Yeah, definitely. And again, 
I love that character. I yeah. love the aspect that they're kind of building this this culture, this lore, and this loyalty behind her. And you can see that instilled in the character. And this just kind of backs it up a bit more. Yeah. And who is her mom? Yes. That is a big mystery here, yeah. right? And there's some theories running around the internet right now. Yeah. Like characters from the Clone Wars that I've shown up yeah. and a few others. And maybe we can talk about this just briefly before we get into the rest of the episode here mm-hmm. is that some of my confusion with this episode comes with... I don't know what is canon as far as the Mandalorian lore and the the background to all that because there's a lot of comics, there's some books and that. Old Republic, that's yeah. when I was first introduced to them. Really, so I don't know what's canon here. Yeah. Is Jango Fett still a Mandalorian? Right. And all these characters, I'm not sure. So I don't know what fits here. There's hints throughout this entire episode of this Mandalorian civil war that had taken place in the previous comics and some of the mm-hmm. books and that. And I don't know if that's still canon or what's going yeah. on here, who's who. That's right. And some of the characters from those older comics, I'm not sure if they're kind of reflections or paralleling them, at least with the characters that are introduced here with Rao and the Saxon character. Yeah, because I believe Saxon, obviously, he must carry over from uh, the Son of Dathomir comic, right? Yeah. So I guess that's all canon. Um, I've always wondered, though, because, I mean, listen to Django Fett's like, speech. He sounds very similar to these two Mandalorians, right? Yeah. The, the way they talk and carry themselves, so... Maybe he's still a Mandalorian. I hope so. I hope they didn't change that, at least with Jango Fett. But. No, it makes yeah. sense. And even just the style of his helmet and his armor, yeah. and all that, that fits kind of that Mandalorian culture. Yeah, the right? color scheme to it as well. Right? Yeah, yeah, it makes sense that he is at least part of some sort of Mandalorian clan to some For degree, sure. right? Yeah. When Sabine, Ezra, and Rao are on the Phantom 2, which is a nice cool, you know, it looks like Sabine's got her painting on it and all that. Oh, so yeah. Signature. They're heading down to Mandalore here. And I, like I said, I just love seeing the planet kind of just blown to pieces here. And yeah. Raul kind of describes the Mandalorians as kind of this this warrior culture, right? Mm-hmm. And that they've always been at each other's throats, but they're always so loyal to something, right? Yeah. And it's kind of nice seeing Ezra kind of be in awe of this. And this is what eventually leads to his kind of misstep and Raul kind of taking over the ship. But that's exactly how I felt. Yeah. I was like, whoa, this is pretty crazy. Right. It's, it's kind of nice hearing about the culture. And it's looking out the window, it's like, I was kind of mesmerized by the same thing. And then yeah. it gets hit over Boom. the head. And, yeah. <laughs> I kind of like that. I felt myself paralleled with Ezra yeah. in, my, in my awe. Yeah, I'll get to it later. But Ezra is definitely one of my, uh, he's, he's a little suspect in this episode for me. Yeah. Yeah. Once we arrive here on planet surface, mm-hmm. Rao's kind of taken off and Ezra and Sabine wake up and with Chopper's help they're released yeah. and then they find Rao kind of looking over his his former camp. Yeah. And everyone is slaughtered here. His camp is in flames mm-hmm. and none of his protectors are around and he's pretty shocked by this whole thing. He's, yeah. he's kind of quite taken aback by it. And I thought it was kind of weird that he just kind of gave up. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess he's pretty shocked to see a lot of his brethren more mm-hmm. or less destroyed. Yeah. So they're wandering on the camp, and this is one of my favorite scenes, is the Imperial Probe Droid. Oh, man, yeah. right? I absolutely love these things from Empire Strikes Back. And I don't know what they say. I always In my head, I always hear failure in the fences, failure in the fences. And I think everyone kind of hears different things, yeah. but I love the sound of these Imperial Probe Droids. Yeah. And this kind of lets you know that, yes, the Empire is at least somewhat responsible for what's happened yeah, here and present yeah. yeah exactly and then we get come almost immediately flying around the corner and this is from even the the first trailer for season three we do see these characters here but it's as ezra quotes flying stormtroopers yeah what do you think of the look of these oh guys? man give me that black series give me that hot toy yeah. these things looked awesome especially saxon's yeah. costume with the red the white but still mandalorian armor yeah oh, incredible looks so cool it had quite like a clone wars Ralph McQuarrie yeah. kind of twist to it, right? Good just call, the whole yeah. look, just with the white, almost had like a, a prototype Boba Fett look to yes, it. Yes, exactly. With the whole white outfit. Mm-hmm. I really like this, and it had almost like a hint of Stormtrooper kind of built into that. Yeah, definitely. 
And so we get introduced to the character here. He's all in the red. Garth Saxon. So he introduced himself as the Imperial Viceroy of Mandalore. So Mm -hmm. the Imperials have put in some sort of puppet Mandalorian government here, right? Right. That are not loyal to the protectors. I really like this because, again, I'm reading Lost Stars. And and having just read Ahsoka on that, you do see these puppet governments popping in and out of these books and kind of... And so you get an appreciation for what the Empire is doing here. And these guys seem to be at least some sort of legacy of Maul's Death Watch. Yes, yes. And, and they nail it in the title, right? Because he's actually a super trooper or super super commando. It's <laughs> a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> so at this point is, is one of the highlights, I think, of the episode here where we have Ezra is captured. Yeah. By the Imperial Super Commandos, and Sabine and Rao kind of take off here, and this is where Rao starts to really show his true colors and not having any loyalty to even Sabine or the Rebellion or anything mm-hmm. like that, at least at this point in the episode. But it's really Ezra here that kind of is the highlight. And But as he's going on about how he's part of Hondo's crew, right. and then he kind of sits there and says, I'm Lando Calrissian, <laughs> I'm this pirate, and all this. And it's interesting, when he talked there, I was I really got a hint of the Lando comic book series that he was oh, kind cool. of referring to a bit. It's a little early, I think, for that. It's not okay. really tying in that exact series, but just talking about... Lando being more of a pirate, and he right. doesn't have that same swagger to him that he does as kind of the um, the leader of Bespin in that. Right. And I just really, really like that. That's awesome. Because we did get Lando way back in season one. Yeah. Made his cameo there. And it's cool because they kind of made that uh, as a signature thing to drop names. He's done yeah. it before when he said, I'm Jabba the Hutt. Yeah. You know, so I think that's awesome. And it's this time we spend with Rao and Sabine here that allow us a little more insight into both of those characters. And Rao specifically here, he has this realization point where his capture by the rebels actually has saved his life. Yeah. And that allows him to almost respect a bit more the rebellion itself, but also with Sabine. And he kind of agrees to help her free Ezra from the Imperial Super Commandos here. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I really like this this sequence here. And this is where Sabine gets her jetpack finally. Yeah. And I've been dying to see her rock one of these for a while. And it's we classic get, bounty hunter gear, right? It is. It is. And another interesting point with Ezra here, he fully reveals himself using the Force to the Imperials. And mm-hmm. that marks him as a much higher priority target than anything else that's going on in the episode. And mm-hmm. that was a nice touch there, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, he needed to do something there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Can't just sit there and do <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's and it's at this point where Rao kind of takes off on Ezra and Sabine here and kind of leaves them without a ship. He takes the Phantom Two and takes off, leaves yeah. them with Chopper and that. And this is where Saxon more or less captures him. And Sabine takes an interesting route. She talked about it earlier about strategy when she was playing the game. And this kind of rolls back into this episode where you look at what Ezra wanted to do as far as being a force wielder and using he's almost like a, a more true sense of the word, a force user. So he's he's out there to use just brute power sometimes, right? Yeah. And not really thinking much. It has a real Anakin vibe to it. Yeah. Right? Just kind of going head on into battle. Yeah. Where she's a much more of a strategist. Yes. And I liked how they tied that back from the game that they're playing. That, again, the Mandalorians are much more st- a strategic base kind right. of warrior, right? It's not this, about this brute force. It's about having that strategy. Having the intelligence to outthink your opponent. Mm-hmm. And Sabine really shows that here. Because Saxon basically says he'll spare her life if she swears allegiance to him and... I'm going to call them the Death Watch or whatever yeah. you want to call them. And they'll take Ezra away here. Mm-hmm. And she kind of plays into that a bit. Right. 
And this is where we see them escaping into this fantastic kind of chase sequence, yeah, right? Yeah. And I got a real Empire Strikes Back vibe from this. Right. They're chasing through the kind of the caverns and all that. That's and, right. Or, or even Return of the Jedi on the speeders. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's beautifully done. But, but before we get into the chase itself, Saxon starts to reveal a little bit about Sabine's past here. And I think this is where they're seeding for future events. And they're actually probably going to reveal who her mother is going down the line here. And mm -hmm. he says that her mother is loyal to him and the Imperial forces. It kind of really does hint more and more at this developing later on the season. Yeah. And one of the aspects of Sabine's character is that she abandoned the Imperial Academy. And he's talking about how that's brought great shame to her clan, to her parents mm -hmm. and that, that she didn't just stick it through and remain loyal to the Imperials and, and remain loyal to Mandalore itself. Yeah. You do see that she has this instilled legacy of loyalty. Honor honor yeah. yeah and that's reflected more in her character as being part of the rebellion yes as opposed to being part of a more of a, a larger mandalorian culture she still she still is loyal to that but it's in a different aspect right, right. it's more to the culture itself rather than to an individual on a planet mm -hmm. right what did you think of this chase sequence that we end up running through here yeah see you know what i'm, I'm not a fan too much of like long flying scenes if that makes any sense and it, after a while you know when i first saw I get the jetpack i thought that was cool but then I felt like the scene went a little too long, and it took me out of the Star Wars. Um, it kind of reminded me a little bit of Season 3's Inquisitors, with the lightsabers flying yeah. all over the place. Or even Attack of the Clones, when Anakin and them were jumping from like ship to ship, or car mm -hmm. to car. So after a while, the scene kind of dragged for me a little bit. And um, other than that, though, I thought it was a pretty cool scene. And again, they're going full tilt with like the violence here. We're seeing mm -hmm. um, a Mandalorian die, I think, yeah. crash into a, um, like a mountain almost. Yeah. Right? So I, I appreciate it. And again, the effects here look great throughout the whole uh, se sequence. Yeah. I'd have to agree. I think it ran probably about two minutes too long. <laughs> yeah. This is something that I think could have gone a bit quicker. Yeah. And I, I, I fully agree with you. I'm kind of getting sucked out at this point. Yeah. And it almost takes you right into the episode, the length of it. Yeah. Some of the scenes are cool where you have Ezra hanging there and deflecting some of the blaster right. bolts and kind of him running up and down the walls. It was a nice yeah. sequence there. And when he falls on the chopper and there's right. some jokes there, yeah. that's great. They could have maybe crushed that into a Timed much shorter it. sequence. Yeah. Animation spot on too. Right. And as almost telegraphed at the start of this episode, <laughs> we do get the redemption of Rao here. Mm -hmm. He does show back up and he saves Ezra Chopper and eventually Sabine. But prior to that, Saxon and Sabine kind of have it out in this slightly extended fight sequence. Yeah, another good fight scene from Sabine. Yeah, she's yeah. kicking ass Right, here. awesome. So I really enjoyed this much more than I enjoyed the chase sequence. Definitely, yeah. And you felt like there's really a lot of stakes here. And I'm curious of your thoughts here because mm -hmm. you have a bit more background in Clone Wars mm -hmm. and and understanding the Mandalorians a bit more. Yeah. Do you think that Sabine is going to end up with the Darksaber to rule Mandalore? Like, do you think she's going to leave the Rebellion to finally take up her position as the leader of the Protectors or something like that? You know, they could maybe leave it off like that on a cliff note and then come back to it. Yeah. You know, but I definitely don't see her joining um, the Mandalorians for a permanent role. No. Right? I think they've also hinted throughout the trailer another woman, I can't remember her name, but she was present in the Clone Wars. I don't know if they're going to tie her in as Sabine's mom. Yeah. I guess that would kind of make it feel a little too tight, a little too connected that way. But we'll have to wait and see, I guess. Yeah, I think what they're setting up here personally is mm -hmm. that 
we have this nice sequence at the end where Rao talks to Sabine and he basically joins the rebellion yes. and he's talking about her sacrifice and commitment to the rebels and how that's earned his respect. Yeah. I think what this is setting up is that she's going to get the Darksaber and that's going to set her up to be the ruler here. And I think she's going to give that over to Rao. Yeah, that makes I, sense. Yeah, I don't see him being part of the rebellion for too long here. And the fact that he doesn't really bring <laughs> troops with him or whatever, he's a great asset because he's a, a warrior in itself. Mm-hmm. He's got the heart of a warrior. Yeah. But I really see him taking back up kind of this position of power at mm-hmm. Mandalore once they eliminate the Imperial Super Commandos or the, the Viceroy here, right? That's right. But the Ghost Crew's not uh, hasn't done too bad because we've gotten Wedge now, we got um, Finral, and then the other character from uh, Empire, I can't remember his name, he, he joined with Wedge. Oh yeah, I can't remember his name. Yeah. yeah. Hobby. Hobbies, right? So we've yeah. uh, got three recruits and a new ship, so we're doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think we're going to see this character Saxon again? Definitely. Yeah. Um, not right away. No. But I think we'll definitely see him come up a little bit more so. Yeah. Definitely. So overall, what did you think of this episode? Yeah, you know, I, well, my biggest disappointment basically was Ezra. I thought yeah. Ezra was super weak. I mean, they introduced this season with Ezra kicking ass, taking on how many stormtroopers, using the force to manipulate um, the AT-AT, mm-hmm. right? And then here he could str- he struggled against the droid. He couldn't even get the droid with the force. He's a damsel in stress twice, I think, yeah. this episode. Um, I just didn't get where his powers were at, so I felt he was very inconsistent. Yeah. So that was a weakness. Um, overall, it, it, it kind of was a filler, but the bigger picture did move the story forward a little yeah. bit, right? I mean, we did get a new recruit, so that's always big. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the villain introduced now, Saxon. I think he's a really cool villain. Yeah. Um, that's something that can always go against um, Sabine now, right? Yeah. So we kind of have a bunch of enemies um, developed. We have Thrawn, obviously. We have maybe an Inquisitor show up again. Uh, maybe Vader. I doubt yeah. it. And then we have Saxon. Maul. And Maul, of course, yeah. right? So uh, overall, uh, it, was, it wasn't the best episode, but it's, uh, it's kind of a side story. I won't say yeah. filler, but it's kind of a side story. Yeah. yeah, I fully agree with you there. I was taken out of this a few times mm-hmm. just by the extended sequences here. And I was really waiting for something bigger to happen. And mm-hmm. like I said at the top, I think this would serve better as a side story or a small arc within a larger episode. Yeah. But at the same time, I do like that they're seeding something further down the road for Sabine. Yeah. It was, it's using a whole episode to do that. And they've done that in other episodes where they've seeded other things, other story arcs in a much larger context of the story. Yeah. So it seems like it's taken a bit of a break here. And coming off of a, a week hiatus, I think they should have come back with something really big. Yes. And then had something like this where you can have, you know, a peak in the intensity of the episodes and then kind of a lull as you come off the back end of that and you're like, okay, I need to take a bit of a breath right. here from the larger story arc and see something from the side from Sabine because the last couple of episodes, and we've really enjoyed them, mm-hmm. they're seeding a lot of things for the future. And and last week's episode of the week before, sorry, with the last uh, battle, that yeah. did have some conclusion to that, and I really enjoyed that. Yeah. But again, I find this episode is just throwing things out there that we're going to see further down the road. I would appreciate it a bit more of the larger narrative being progressed a bit further with this as kind of a side tangent. Yeah. But all in all, I enjoyed it. It was entertaining. Mm-hmm. There's some sequences, like we said, that were a little long, but I like seeing this character of Sabine grow. And if yes. we do have to take a couple episodes to allow some of these characters to develop and grow, I'm happy to do that. Yeah, but I really hope now they can get right back to Maul. I mean, because like you said, they left us with such a high note there, right? Yeah. And then we've had, what, three, I don't want to say filler episodes, but we've had three, you know, character-driven episodes yeah. apart from the Jedis. I need to get more Kanan back, and I need some Maul or, or even Thrawn. Like, they yeah. need to get back on that track now. I yeah, think. they spent a lot of time focusing even on the Rebellion itself and growing that Rebellion yeah. and showing you that there's power. And some part of me 
it's feeling like they are trying to shove a lot of things in here yeah. before getting to even like a Rogue One or something. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. What do you think? Like, because Rogue One comes out soon, do you think they're going to try and do something to kind of lead us in there? Because they're going to end on a little break, I'm sure, before Rogue One. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I think we probably got another maybe four or five episodes here, and they're going to go into some sort of hiatus prior to Christmas and Rogue mm-hmm. One and all that. Yeah. I don't know. I'd love to see them just drop something about Jedha yeah. or something to that effect. Yeah. And just allow us to kind of sink our teeth into this idea. And right. Let us stew on it a bit about the connection of Rogue One to Rebels here. and if there are characters that they're going to even introduce in Rebels. Yeah, Saw, Saw Guerrero, right? Yeah, exactly. If you can get him or, or uh, Matt Nicholson's character. Yeah, yeah, if you get him in there, yeah. So, I, I don't know, but I'm happy that we have these episodes back. we get another couple of weeks coming down the pipe here. I'd like to pick up the intensity yes. more. We've got a lot hanging here, a lot of loose threads with Thrawn, Maul, potentially Vader. Right, let's Obi-Wan develop, potentially. Yes, let's yeah. do a little bit more of this Jedi story here. But, again, it's a nice break from kind of these high-intensity episodes, but I do think it was a bit of a misstep not having a high-intensity episode coming off of a, a week hiatus here. Yeah. But all in all, great episode. Yeah. All right, guys, we're going to keep this episode nice and short this week. But before we go here, if you are interested in Marvel, we just recently saw Doctor Strange. Last week, we did an episode on our other podcast called The Nerd Room on the same feed you're listening to right now called A Brief History of Doctor Strange and the Comic Books. So go check that out. And this week, we're going to be reviewing with our other co-host, Sanjay, the Doctor Strange film. If you have not seen that, make sure to go out and see it. It is absolutely fantastic. And we're going to have lots of discussion here because Sanjay's coming from a different angle a bit here. I okay. talked to him over text and he was kind of questioning a bit of the decisions that they made here and the uh, direction they went with certain DC aspects. fanboys, man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so make sure to go over and check out our other podcast, The Nerd Room, where we talk about more broad-spanning nerd news every single Thursday. And this week specifically, it's just going to be pure Doctor Strange movie review. No Star Wars? No Star Wars. <laughs> we're going to keep this week to just Monday. Cool. Just Star Wars Rebel Alert. Cool. <laughs> Just before we jet here, too, yeah. I know I've said this already once, but I had a huge week at collecting. So the Black Series, they're starting to hit regionally here. Oh, yeah. We've got C-3PO, the EB Games exclusive with the silver leg. So the A New Hope C-3PO. Awesome. So guys, go check out your EB Games. That's jumping up here into Canada as well. Yeah. So I got a retail price, and I also just picked up the Hover Tank Driver from Rogue One, the Toys R Us exclusive. Those seem to be hitting very hard. I'd grab them when you can, but it seems like they're going to be packing the shelf, similar to what you're seeing with the Force Awakens Snowtrooper from the Toys R Us exclusive as well. But those are hitting locally here in Calgary, and I've seen reports across Canada itself and into the U.S. So make sure you guys get out on the hunt and find some of those action figures. Yeah, good luck, guys. Yeah. We will be back next week with a brand new episode of Stars Rebel Alert. And until then, make sure you're checking out those novels, Check out the comic books. Content is fantastic here across the board in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, go out there and read those books, man. Vader's all done uh, 25 issues. Yeah. Great read. Um, you know, Ahsoka novel, obviously. Check that out. And then when you finish that, check out a review on it because we we like that book. Yeah, we thoroughly did. And I'm, yeah. I'm about three quarters of the way through Lost Stars here. That's yeah. Claudia Gray's book that she did in the lead up to The Force Awakens. I really regret not reading that before The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. It is an absolutely fantastic book. It takes you through the entirety of the timeline of more or less all of the Star Wars universe post-Empire Day. Yeah, she, it's a great read. And she's done two novels now for this universe, yeah. new canon. So be sure to pick up uh, Bloodlines yep. and Lost Stars. Yeah. Yep. Two different eras, but two fantastic books. Right. So Can't wait to discuss that in a bit more detail sometime down the road. Yeah, we'll definitely do like a novel yes. episode for sure. For sure. Yeah. All right, guys, this is Star Wars Rose Alert signing off. I'm Tim. I'm Troy. 